Clytus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? Ajax. This is the internet's most explosive comic book and pop culture podcast, and we are your hosts. My name is Chris Sims. With me, as always, is Matt Wilson. Matt, how are you? Chris, I'm I'm okay. Uh, a little tired this week. It has been a long week, and I know you have had a long week as well. But we are going to have a fun show, despite Matt, the long weeks we have had. That's true, Matt. Uh, let me tell you how I am. Okay. Uh, I would fucking commit arson right now if it would get me a Bojangles Cajun Filet Biscuit. <laughs> I want one so dang bad. Oh, is the it's, Bojo withdrawal. It's demolishing me. And like, and and the thing is, I know it's bad because the other day AC turned to me and she was like, I really miss Waffle House and I could really go for a Cajun Filet Biscuit. <laughs> And and she did not like it nearly as much as I did. It's spreading. It's sp- oh. the, the contagion is spreading. We were on Google Maps looking up the closest Waffle House and the closest Bojangles. I'm going to say the closest Waffle House is in Indiana. Indiana, yep. Nailed it. But there's a Bojangles in Chicago. It opened since I lived there then. Because I would have gone there. I I know. I think it's got to be new, and I'm not sure if I trust it. There used to be one Bojangles in New York, but it closed. Mm-hmm. So yeah, because they don't because they don't know what's what's up up there. Honestly, they don't know they don't know what's up up there. They don't appreciate Dale Junior. <laughs> <laughs> At Bojangles. At Bojangles. Matt, we got a great show this week. We're going to be talking to a friend of the show, Paul Aller, is going to be here uh, for an interview that will show just what kind of week I'm having. Yes, but Paul is great and uh, helps helps guide us along through the interview, and uh, it, it's going to be a fun time to talk to Paul when uh, that rolls around, the interview segment rolls around, but... Chris, before we talk to Paul, we do have some business to take care of, and our first bit of business is uh, thanking our supporters over on Patreon. That's right, Matt. Now, these are the people who have gone all the way down to 652 Gimmick Street. You know what's there. Let's see. We had a t-shirt printer Mm -hmm. at one of these spots. Matt, this one's a layup. I can tell you if you've forgotten what's at 652 Gimmick Street. Okay, please tell me. It's Bojangles. Of course it's Bojangles. Of course it's Bojangles. Yeah. That, that's where you go when it's bow time. Ben Gully and I had an idea for an app years ago. The Bojangles app for your smartphone. Mm-hmm. That would delete all the other apps on your phone. <laughs> so far, so good. And it, it would replace the clock app. So you would you would try to open your clock app and the Bojangles app would open instead and it would just tell you it was bow time. 
That's pretty good. That's pretty yeah. good. What I did was I uh, opened up the notes app on my phone, and uh, I I just wrote Bowtime in there so that I could <laughs> uh, I could look confused and look at AC and be like, "Hey, um, what time does your phone say it is? I don't know if mine's right." And she would tell me, and then I would just turn the screen so she could see it. Uh huh. And it said bow time. <laughs> we have fun. We have fun here. Just like you can have fun uh, when you go down to 652 Gaming Street uh, by getting out your phone, which, which has non-Bojangles apps on it. And you can use that phone, you can use that tablet, you can use that internet-enabled computing device. To go to patreon.com slash warrocketajax, where you can kick in as little as a dollar a month to help us keep this show going and uh, keep paying those gimmicks they keep sending the mail call bills. That's right, Chris. Uh, I don't have any new names to read this week. We did have some patrons increase their contributions to the show, and we oh, do very that. much appreciate I love that, that for us, and I love that for them, yeah. Yes, uh, but I don't have any new patrons to thank uh, right now. Uh, but you can help us out. We are, again, still just under 400 patrons. And it, with your help, we can reach that funny weed number once again. Please, please help us achieve that funny weed number once again. Because as a patron, you get some cool stuff. You get every single one of our shows. This weekly show, Comics Catch-Up, Every Story Ever, Movie Fighters and Snack Situation, all of those shows you get completely ad-free in a special Patreon feed that is just for you. So that's pretty cool, right? And if you're a patron at any level, you get those ad-free episodes. At the next level up from that, you can get bonus content. You can get audio that we record specially for Patreon sometimes, or outtakes from the show that I will cut out and put up on Patreon, or writing that Chris and I do sometimes. Chris has done a lot more than me of uh, video game reviews over there on the Patreon. That is totally Patreon exclusive. You can only see that writing from Chris on Patreon. So if any of that sounds like cool stuff to you, or if you want to get line-stepping privileges for our segments like Thursday Night Raw and Every Story Ever, or if you want to get uh, our annual t-shirt, all of that is possible, is made possible by your support on Patreon, and you can get as a patron. So go help us out there if you can. If you cannot do that, if you are unable to help us out on Patreon monetarily. You can help us out in other ways. Leave us a five-star review on the podcasting app that you use. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and so on. Or uh, head over to your favorite social media platform or just talk to your friends in person. Spread the word about the show. Give some word of mouth to War Rocket Ajax here and, uh, and tell your friends to listen. That would help us out a whole bunch too. With that, Chris... It's time for some checks and wrecks. What do you say? Let's do it. So come on and take a detective step before you wreck.
Chris, what would you like to check in with this week? Matt, uh, I mentioned it uh, a couple weeks ago here on the show, but it has come to pass uh, that this past weekend I was a guest at the Uncanny Experience, uh, which was an, an X-Men fan gathering uh, here in uh, beautiful downtown Minneapolis, Minnesota. And uh, I had an absolute blast. I had a great time. Uh, I, I sold some books. Uh, I, I gave that uh, class on uh, villains. And uh, I was both delighted and also genuinely shocked. Uh, it was not a big room. It was essentially the size of, of what you would think of as a classroom. But uh, literal standing room only. Uh, which I think had more to do with the fact that people like X-Men villains than uh, liking me. But still, it was pretty great. Uh, and everyone seemed to have a very good time with that. I got a lot of compliments on uh, the talk that I gave, uh, which was... Uh, almost entirely uh, improvised uh, and involved a lot of me, like, you know, talking to uh, members of the audience about their favorite villains. And at one point explaining the crossing. So that was fun. (laughs) You got to explain the crossing, Matt. Sometimes people got to learn about the crossing. Sometimes, sometimes Avengers colon the crossing is an unavoidable part of life. If you are, for instance, Tony Stark. Yes. Yes. Sometimes you gotta be Teen Tony. Sometimes you gotta... Sometimes people don't know about Teen Tony, and I feel like if I have one responsibility in this in this world, and it's debatable that I even have that, but it's to make sure that people know about Teen Tony. For sure, and I take that very seriously. Uh, so yeah, I had a I had a really great time. Uh, met some some great people. Uh, managed to sell uh, a couple of downset fights as well as as uh, books that have Wolverine in them. Uh, so a really really uh, great time, and I really hope that they uh, they do it again. Uh, Next year, I would love to go back uh, and and talk to more people about uh, the X-Men and why we like them. Uh, Matt, what did you do this, this past week? The main thing I did is promote Marlene's comedy special, which you can watch right now on YouTube. And you should. I'm telling you, go watch my wife Marlene's comedy special on youtube it uh went up on monday of this week at noon at the same time as war rocket ajax and uh it has gotten a good number of views on youtube but it could use some more and uh you should absolutely go check it out it is if you just search for marlene thompson comedy special it's there, but it is specifically called Put It On Tape Asheville, Marlene Thompson. And it was posted by the production company that made it uh, four by three, it's called. Um, so go get those numbers up over on 
YouTube for Marlene's uh, special. It is a hoot and a holler. And uh, I was in the crowd for it. It was very fun to be there for it. Um, so, yeah, go check out Marlene's special. That is a check and wreck for you. Um, but also, as part of my check, I do want to offer the reminder that this coming weekend, the weekend of September 30th and October 1st, I will be at Beer City Comic Con in Asheville at the uh, Harris Cherokee Center uh, at uh, at a table, both Saturday and Sunday. Uh, so some, come see me there, too. My first con in a long time. Yeah, uh, Uncanny Experience was my first show since Heroes Con 2019. Yeah, my mine is some my, my last one was something like that. I may have done I think I did Memphis in 2019. But that was probably the last one I did. So, your first chance to see me in quite some time. Your first chance to buy a War Rocket Ajax t-shirt from me in 4 years. And we've had some good, good shirts in that time. We have. We have. Uh, Chris, it's time to make some recommendations. What do you have to recommend? Matt, you know that I like to relax with video games. I get done I do with know. a uh, I, I get done with a long day in the word mines. Come back home, hang up my hard hat, and I need video interactive entertainment to help me unwind. And as a result, uh, lately I've been playing a lot of games that I need to keep my brain smooth. You know, <laughs> I don't like having to think a whole lot when I play video games lately. And look, I'll play some more intense games at some point. Uh, but right now, AC's playing Baldur's Gate 3. And I don't want us to have like two playthroughs going at the same time. That's, that's, that's wild. So for me, I am primarily looking for video games that just I can... Uh, just dissociate the evening away with. So to that end, I've been playing one of my uh, favorite genres, which is, uh, believe it or not, racing games. I love a, I love a good racing game. I also enjoy uh, racing games now and again. Yeah, I did recently, uh, when I was uh, uh, out west, I uh, played some Mario Kart with uh, a friend of the show, Annie Creighton, uh, who you may know from... Uh, various podcasts like uh, the Gem Jam and Gem Jammer and I Will Fight You and uh, from several appearances on Sailor Business. Um, I played some uh, some Mario Kart with them and was roundly humiliated. I would say. That is how I would describe my performance in Mario Kart. Mario Kart 8? Yeah. The one that yeah. I own and have played quite a bit of. <laughs> I was... It was bad. Dude. It was rough, but I like a good, uh, I like a good racing game every now and then. So lately, I have been playing uh, over the past week just to just to relax and kind of have some chill time. Uh, Need for Speed Heat, uh, and I like this game. I like this game a lot, actually, because a uh, it's a very fun racing game uh, about driving around uh, in a big. Uh, open world city, uh, and it's got like a, a pretty interesting 
uh, little gimmick, which is that uh, by day you can compete in uh, events where you make money that are like sanctioned races, like they're like road races, but it's like you know races that go to the city, uh, but they're like official. And then uh, you can also uh, change it to night and play uh, like street racing to gain points in your your reputation, which is what lets you uh, buy cool new cars and cool new parts. Uh, but also at night, because what you are doing is illegal, uh, the cops will chase you. And this is a game that says, you know what we like? Fast cars. You know what we don't like? Cops. So I appreciate that about this game. Because, uh, hey, listen to, listen to Need for Speed Heat. Cops aren't your friends. And uh, that is nice to know. One True. of the first things that happens, there's, a, there's like a plot, there's a story mode, there's like a story campaign. And like the first thing that happened is a, uh, a cop basically steals uh, a black woman's car from her. And you're like, fuck that guy. And the game is like, yes, that is the correct reaction. So, Need for Speed Heat, a hoot, and a holler. Uh, I'm having a great time with it, and uh, it is perfect for keeping the old brain smooth. Uh, Matt, what is your recommendation, uh, aside from Marlene's brand new comedy special? Chris, sometimes we just recommend things to each other on the show. That's true. And That's primarily is, what I do. Yeah. And this is one of those occasions for me. I don't know if you have watched this yet, but if you haven't, you should watch it immediately. It is the no-clip documentary about the making of Vampire Survivors. Ah, uh, yes, I have. Because not only is it a fascinating and interesting story about the main developer of Vampire Survivors, Luca Galante, who uh, was born and grew up in Italy, but moved to the UK to become a game developer, and initially worked at McDonald's until he managed to get some jobs at some game development companies, and then during a period of unemployment just started making Vampire Survivors for fun. And with no intention of it becoming like one of the biggest games of all time, right? <laughs> like a, a hugely successful game that has basically launched a new genre. Yeah. And is is essentially I realized this the other day, because I was thinking about Vampire Survivors and I was also thinking about Tim Rogers. Vampire Survivors is Pac-Man 2. It is Pac-Man 2. The real Pac-Man 2. It's the real Pac-Man 2. Yeah. After many, many attempts to make Pac-Man 2. Uh, but the story itself is really good and interesting. But also, in the documentary, Luca did not want to appear on camera. Because he's a very private guy. And so they made a puppet. <laughs> yes. They made a puppet that they like synced up to his audio 
and had the puppet speak for him. And the puppet's a little vampire, a little Dracula. It's, it's the it's it is a Muppet version of the vampire from the title screen of Vampire Survivors. Yes. And it's incredible. It's this so is how good. you know this is how you know no clip goes the extra mile with their video game documentaries. Uh it's it's a great story. It's a great video. It's about half an hour on YouTube. And uh if you have any interest in vampire survivors at all or game development, really, um I think the no clip vampire survivors documentary is is very very much worth checking out. All right, Chris, those are our checks and recs, which means it's time for a very interesting comic book review segment. What do you say? Let's do it. Now dig this, Matt. Y'all know I love stationery. Y'all know I love to take notes. I love to write. I love to write on paper. I love to write notebooks. Matt, what'd you give me for Christmas this year? I got you notebooks and pens and organizers. Correct. I love it. Uh, and I find that it genuinely helps me remember things better as opposed to typing them or like putting them on a, like a text file or whatever, actually writing something down physically helps me a lot. It helps me organize my thoughts. It helps me get my work done. And ever since I got my new uh, iPad and I got the Apple pencil with it, I have been doing that on there and that's great. The only problem I've had with it, it doesn't quite feel like writing on paper, which is a feeling I like. We have the solution to that problem. That's right. Paper-like. As I mentioned at the top of the show, it's a screen protector for your iPad. It uses a proprietary technology called NanoDots. With those NanoDots, you feel the natural resistance of paper on your iPad screen. It is a paper-like feeling on your iPad. So if you're drawing, if you're taking notes, if you're using your iPad like you would a notebook... Here's the way for it to really feel natural. And Chris, I know you love that. You you have an iPad, you got a paper like, and I'm sure it's it feels just right for you. It does. It feels great to use. Also, Matt, you know I'm very particular about paper. I have yes. specific brands of notebooks that I will and will not use, and paper like feels good on the iPad. Uh they also make accessories for the pencil to make the pencil a little more comfortable to hold. They make uh, accessories to help you clean the iPad as well. They've got it all. The ability to handwrite notes in a digital form is great to begin with, but getting that extra tactile feeling that makes me happy while I do it, (laughs) that gives me that little dopamine, that little serotonin burst that I like to have, is fantastic. The latest version of the Paperlike is manufactured in Switzerland using high-quality plastic foils designed for maximum picture clarity. You're not going to lose any of the definition of your iPad screen if you put a paper-like on there. And these foils are developed exclusively for paper-like products. It also always comes in a set of two, so you have a spare. Look, we know a lot of artists listen to this show. If you're an artist and you're looking for a way to make drawing on your iPad feel a little bit better, this is how you do it. So, to pick up your Paperlike, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax, click Buy Paperlike, and select your iPad size. From now, right now, until the end of January, 
Paperlike is also including their digital pro planner bundle at no extra cost for every order placed through the Paperlike store. Plus, shipping is completely free. So if you're ready to do more with your iPad, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax to get started. Chris, the winner of this week's Texter's Choice Award is Captain America number one. It sure is. This is the first time a Texter's Choice that I can recall has been for negative reasons. It's certainly, I I would say, if not unprecedented, it is certainly a rarity. But I I cannot think of another example of this happening either. Honestly, I can't think of a comic that we talked about on the show that we just out and out hated (laughs) in a long time. Like, we had a lot of criticisms of Dark Crisis, but I wouldn't say we hated it, right? Mm. I wouldn't say we I, hated I it. Think, I, think, mm, I think there might be some rose-colored glasses on that one, but because I, I certainly hated it. Okay, all right, fine. I hated this more because... Yeah, you... I find this one interesting because... Uh, I initially did not read it because I looked at it and I was like, oh, new Captain America series. And then I, first of all, took a look at that new logo and then I took a look at the credits and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll skip this one. Uh, And I read it after you texted me and I don't think I hated it the the way you did. But I mean, certainly not good, but... Buddy, you you did not care for it. Let me say this from the start. The art in here is beautiful. Jesus Saiz, I have no problem with whatsoever. Matt Big Hollingsworth. Jesus Saiz, actually. Yeah. Matt Hollingsworth colors, great. But it is all in service of a terrible story by writer J. Michael Straczynski, who has made a big comeback at Marvel he wrote that story that everybody was talking about hating where Stanley and Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko were kids all together talking about how they were going to start Marvel comics. Uh-huh. Uh, that yeah, I, in, I missed that one. Oof, bad, bad stuff. Bad stuff. That was in Marvel age 1000. Maybe 1,000, whatever that recent Marvel Age anthology was. Uh, uh-huh. Boy, it's it was rough. Rough. Um, but this is just as bad, if not worse, because what, what, what could we want more from Captain America than for him to be a landlord? Didn't you want to read a, a comic book about Captain America becoming a landlord? It it's a bit it's it's a bit uh tone deaf, I think. Uh that that's not I mean the the I know what people are gonna say. I know what people are gonna say, right? Yes. Okay. Oh, so, so like they were gonna condemn and tear down the building. And then Captain America took out a loan from the Avengers to buy it. So that the people who lived in the building didn't get thrown out on the street. And then 
after he bought the building, he made it rent controlled and he was going to fix it up. People still have to pay fucking rent. That's the part that I think is the weirdest, is that it's rent controlled, but Captain America is still like, you do gotta pay. Captain America could have just given the building to everyone who lived in it and made it a fucking co-op. Yeah, but then how does he make money off that, map? There's so much in this issue that's like fucking bootstrap shit that I hate. It's, I, mm, yeah, I, I, you're talking me into hating it more. Because you're right. Because there's a whole thing in here also about how he lived in this building his whole life, right? Because his parents died when he was 14. So he had to make do for himself until he was 18. Until he joined the army, right? And he is offered help. And he's like, no, 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 I got to do it on my own. F- fuck this. Fuck that message. Fuck this comic. Um, I've got three things that I want to say about this comic. He's 14 years yeah. old. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, go ahead. Also, the guy, the guy who like tries to help him out is, uh, is, is our buddy uh, Arnie Ross. Yeah, it's Arnie. Arnie, yeah. Uh, that little bit of continuity. Uh, the reason I bring that up is, um, cause if we're going to talk about continuity of this book, and I'm not saying we shouldn't, we should have Arnie Ross book just cause you and me didn't know who he was. That's fine. Bring him in. There's this whole thing about Steve going to his father's grave with his mom. And look, I didn't look this up and I might have this wrong. Wasn't wasn't Steve's father like abuse, like an abusive alcoholic? I do think that is a thing from continuity. Yeah, and and look, maybe that is like maybe like that story is one that like is is bad, and we ignore it because we don't want that to happen. Like I don't know. Like God, imagine if like Norman Osborn. Uh, like hooked up with Gwen Stacy or something like we would never acknowledge that again. Right. Like that would, we just wouldn't. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if that story is like that, but knowing that is a piece of continuity made that really weird. I thought, um, the second thing I want to talk about is that logo is bad. It sucks. And, yeah. Uh, whoever designed that logo, you did, a, you did not do a great job on that logo. I'm afraid. Um, and whatever editor picked that logo, I'm sure you did plenty of treatments. The editor picked wrong. Because it has uh, incorporated into the logo is a, a captain's rank insignia. And, buddy, that doesn't scan. It just looks like there's a Roman numeral 2 in the middle of this logo. It looks like this is a book called Captain to America. Which is yeah. not good. Yeah. Uh, the third thing is, I, I bought a little, uh, I bought a little whiteboard that's like kind of shaped like a keyboard that I can keep on my desk by my keyboard, so I can make little notes. And it's where I've been writing down like what my my check and rec are, and and you know little notes about what I have to get done at work. It's very handy. And right now, there's just um, a sentence scrolled on it uh, that is, "JMS is Mark Wade's Piccolo." <laughs> 
you know how Piccolo, uh, you know how like Piccolo came to Earth and he didn't have his memory of being on Namek, and so uh, he decided he was going to become God. Uh, so in order to like uh, become Kami, uh, he like took all the evil in his body and created a separate being, and that being was Piccolo. And so that you had Kami that was all the good parts, and then you had Piccolo that was like the evil parts, but they were like the same guy. That's J. Michael Straczynski and Mark Wade. Because I read, uh, I read the last two issues of World's Finest uh, before I uh, I read Captain America, and there's things that that JMS does that are kind of distinctly Mark Wadean, but they're bad. Like there's like that that bit where like the bad guy who I guess is a demon, because that's what, that's what we love in a JMS book is when a dude who doesn't fight demons all of a sudden fighting a demon. Sure. I thought, I thought that scanned is like a carnage style symbiote, but maybe, maybe it's just a, maybe it's just a demon. Yeah. He's the new Moreland. Well, he is. It's, it's, it's very like totemics. It's like, it's JMS playing that one note again. Yeah, but he's Moreland in. Yeah, he is Moreland in. Uh, there's a part where that dude's like, you know, like there's a see uh, a bit where he's talking to this lady and he's like, and I can, uh, you know, you might think you'll never join me, but I can tell you what my plan is and it'll make you want to join me. And then it's like, uh, you know, five minutes later, I'm in. Uh, and it's like, I know Wade does bits like that. And I know it's like, it's one of my big, uh, nitpicks with a writer that I, uh, that I actually like a lot is that a lot of times he'll like, do like a, a little setup where he's like, you know, something cool or wacky happened, but we're just gonna like mention that it happened but not actually say what it, what it is. And that's kind of the joke. And man, like reading a, a Straczynski book back to back with a Mark Wade book is a wild experience. Cause it is like he's JMS is Mark Wade's piccolo. That's what it says on my notes. Yeah. And I stand by yeah. It. I think you're right. I think people should be madder about, Captain America becoming a landlord than they are about whatever they think happened in Secret Empire. Yeah. Do, do you know what? Yeah, I agree. Because this is the real Captain America as far as we know. He's a fucking landlord? And, like, this is all going to be, like, landlord aganda? Where it's like, oh, I, there, there's, there can be good ones. No, there can't. JMS on property. JMS on a building. This is making me think he probably does. Hey, you know what's fucked up? Is that this whole thing with Cap being the landlord starts when he, like, complains to his super (laughs) about uh, there being, like, a hole in his his wall because of some Captain America shit that happened. And it's like, buddy... That's damage control's job, actually. Yeah. That is not your that is not the superintendent's job. 
Fucking Captain America, man. Didn't like it. Also, also like five pages of this 30 page comic is like actual superhero shit. And the rest of it is like memories of world war two and him being a landlord. Oh, we get, we, we get one of those classic things where it's like, he goes off to have a cool adventure in, in the microverse. Um, we don't page. get to see that. We, we don't get to see that. Even though he's there for like, he's like, Oh, I was there for weeks and weeks in subatomic time. What's that? The, the cops are chasing someone. I better, I better help out with that. We get it. We get that whole scene. Yeah. You, you yeah. talked me into hating sucks, this comic. Man. Matt. Congratulations. It sucks, man. It sucks. It sucks. I knew it, it was, ba- I, I knew it was going to be bad. That's why I didn't read it at first. The, the whole, let's do a whole superhero adventure on one page is very Tom Kingy. Speaking of which the new wonder woman, number one, let me also offer the caveat here. The art in the book is good. This is, this is the texture choice runner up. Cause you also texted me about this one after. Yeah. And yeah. I, this is the one where I was like, I mean, Matt, it's kind of on you, dude. <laughs> like I, I saw this and I said, "Oh, and Wonder Woman by Tom King." That's not. That's not for me. That's certainly yeah. not going to be what I consider a good comic. And so I let, didn't let me. It. Let me say, the art by Daniel Samper with colors by Tomu Mori. Beautiful. Beautiful. Tom King. Almost exclusively works with excellent artists. It's unbelievable. It's shocking. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but this this story sucks. Okay, you told me you would explain to me what happens in it. Okay. This starts with an Amazonian woman like a blonde Amazonian woman whose name is given at some point, but I, I forget what it is being cussed at a lot by some guys in a pool hall and also harassed by these guys. Like we don't actually see what happens cause it's like a, a grid of billiards balls on a table while they talk, but they touch her in some way that is inappropriate and she says, you're touching me. And then she proceeds to kill everyone in this pool hall, except the two women who were there. And so what follows is one of those pages, one of those Frank Miller pages where it's a bunch of newscasters. And they're all talking about like, is this a targeted attack on men? <laughs> what, what do the Amazonians have against us? The two survivors were women. And then it becomes a comic about how the U.S. government is going to kick out all the Amazonians from America. That's what this comic is about. Um, that doesn't sound good. There's a scene where two Amazonians who live in like a suburban neighborhood are told that they have to leave. They also have an adopted daughter. 
and one of them just gets shot a thousand times in front of her daughter. Oh. So hang on. Do do it like do Amazons just like not live in like the mascara anymore? I guess there's I mean there's a whole thing in here about how a bunch of them live in the United States as like, you know, residents of the United States. But now they're all being kicked out by the US government. This sounds shockingly like it is it is going to be another example of Tom King very uh very subtly Attempting to make a point with which I would agree, but but already it going catastrophically wrong on him. Well, here's part of what makes it extra bad. So there's a whole discussion about Wonder Woman and how she's trying to stay be in the middle of this. Hmm. Like okay. she's not totally taking the Amazonian side. She's like trying to find the one who did the murders at the pool hall. Like there's a whole conversation on Themyscira where it's like, where is Diana? And they're saying like, Oh, she kept her silence. And she said, in what I now do, I must avoid temptation. And then there's a showdown between her and, the like main bad guy, uh, Sergeant Steel, and ah, uh, Sergeant Steel, yeah, a- Sergeant Steel, in a graveyard where she's like, "I'm trying to do what you couldn't. I'm trying to find the actual perpetrator." And then, like, they start shooting at her, and she deflects the bullets, and then she has to like beat up all the soldiers. And then there's a conversation where Sergeant Steel is like, "You attacked us," and she's like. No, you attacked me first. And he make she makes the like one of the soldiers tell the truth. And then like by the end of the issue, it's like Wonder Woman outlaw, you know? But like she's being positioned as like Wonder Woman centrist in this, where she's like, I, I just want to find the culprit and bring them to justice. And I like, love that. Diana, you got to get to a point where you're like, yeah, she killed those people and she was right to do it. Fuck you. <laughs> like, I don't Which know. Seems like it would be a more interesting story, I think. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, I wouldn't trust Tom King with that one either. Not at this point. No, no. I mean, it's just, it just sucks. <laughs> like if I never have to read another comic, that brings real world issues into the story. Uh, it'll be too soon. Like, hey man, I don't want to read about real world issues. That's why I'm not reading the news. No, I don't want to read a comic about wonder woman dealing with Donald Trump's Muslim ban four years later. Yeah. You know what I say? I, that, that's when I hold up my copy of uh, dragon ball. And I go, this is the news. Yeah, Dragon Ball's the news. It's the good news. It is the good news. Have you heard about Goku? 
Have you heard about Goku? I texted you the other day and I just said Goku is the opposite of Doug. <laughs> from from and I was like from Doug. And I was like, yeah, that little piece of shit, that little <laughs> bastard. That's the opposite uh, of Goku. Just as a palate cleanser to wrap up this comic segment, we also read Superman number six, and it was good. It was good. I'm loving the Superman run. Yeah, it was it was super fun, and uh, Lex Luthor had a, a prisoner under Supercore, and Superman let him out. <laughs> yeah, Lex, Lex, Lex Luthor has like a little man under there. He's got a little man basement for a little man. Yeah, who does not like Lex Luthor, and and Superman was like, "Wait, Lex Luthor had a guy down there. We should let him out." We just let that and guy then he out. did. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that may have been a mistake. Because that's what Superman would do. Yeah. Like, if you think about Superman, you'd be like, yeah, if Superman found out there was a man in a little room, he wouldn't, like, he'd let that guy out of there. And uh, he does. Um, and it is a mistake. But, well, it's, it's, the immediate results are not ideal, but I wouldn't say it's a mistake. He He's going to have to do some work to resolve this. He's going to have to, yes. But I think we can all agree, don't leave a man in a, don't leave a, man in a box. What am I, Alice in Chains? If, if, <laughs> if you find out that there's a man in the box, let him out. Uh, this is written by Joshua Williamson with art by uh, Gleb Malinkov, and it's good. It's fun. The Superman run is great. Agreed. Really, really enjoying it. But honestly, like uh, we were just talking last week to uh, Mark Stack about, uh, or uh, who were we talking to about Superman? Was it, oh, it was it was Jordan? It was Jordan Bloom. We were just talking last week to yeah. uh, Jordan Bloom about. Uh, how much uh, fun there is in the Superman books these days, which is always nice to hear. Speaking of fun books, Chris, it's time for us to do our interview with Paul Aller. I would love to, Matt. I hope I come off as smart and well-informed and not like a blithering idiot. (laughs) Uh, We're going to talk about uh, Barbara Psychic, which is a fun, if harrowing, comic book. And a lot more. So let's talk to Paul. Let's do it. Joining us for the program this week, we have one of my favorite writers uh, out in the world right now. Uh, Has been for quite some time. Uh, You will be familiar with his work uh, from G.I. Joe, as well as a lot of other places. But he is here to talk to us about the new book, The Butterfly House, that is uh, currently crowdfunding on Zoop.gg. Paul Aller is here. Paul, welcome back to the show. How are you, buddy? Uh, it's good to be back. Thank you. I, I am well. You might want to redo that intro. Because uh, oh. The Butterfly House uh, um, crowdfunded back in February. Um, where The oh. one we're doing now is called it's called Pink Midnight Presents Barbara Psychic. It's the, it's the second issue okay. of the series. All right. Yeah. All right. Here's what's funny about this. <laughs> yeah. I thought that. 
And then I looked at the PDF <laughs> that I had downloaded, and I was like, this says Butterfly House. <laughs> Did I get it wrong? Okay, Matt, do you want to do a new recording, or am I just going to... Let's leave it all in. It, it depends on what you want to do. If, if you want to tr- do it over, we can do it over. If you I'm, think you it know, is... I'm okay with leaving it all in. I'm okay Perfect. with leaving it AEW all in. Well, okay. this way people know the names of both books. That's true. You, you, you can get the Butterfly House through this campaign if you missed it. Yeah, I did get the correct uh, PDF. It just wasn't the one that I had open in front of me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I do have Barbara Sunday. Paul, They're, but hey, okay. also, hey. thank you for being so kind with that. Like, you no. know. <laughs> You might want to take out one again. That was very nice of you. I've been having a no problem. Day. No problem. How are you, buddy? I'm good. You know, as as good as anyone. Getting getting by. It is the best yeah. that we can hope. Yeah. It, it it really is in these unprecedented times. This is the entire conversation <laughs> that we had <laughs> off yes. mic. That we are now doing each other's parts of. I thought it'd be a good bit to just so we could recreate it word for word. Yes. Except you said unprecedented time, so I've already messed it up. I, I messed up my part. There's nothing funnier than a bit that's just for us. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> that could describe uh, pretty much my, my entire Twitter account. Like half my tweets are like, "This is something I'll I will laugh at. No one else will. I'm going to tweet I, it." I feel like there would like that is primarily what what those of us who are are left on Twitter right. uh, are doing, but it's not as fun as it used to be. It used to be that oh, was no. before, and you could be like hashtag comics creators as cheeses or whatever. Yeah, right. Uh, the, my my favorite of those being comics creators as dogs, which. Uh, I remember, I, I believe I tweeted three, and they were Mutt Fraction, Kelly Sue, Dakali, and uh, what I thought was the best one, Jonathan Hickdog. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, you're right. It's not as much fun. I feel like Twitter now is like, it's the difference between like going to a bar and hanging out and like still being at the bar at 4 a.m. because you just don't want to go home. Twitter now is like and also a bunch of Nazis showed up at that bar. <laughs> yes, and a bunch yeah. of Nazis showed up at the bar. Yes. <laughs> Twitter now is like that scene in uh, RoboCop where the guy is watching the uh, I, I'd buy that for a dollar uh, <laughs> show through the TV store window, and then he shoots it with a bazooka. That's what it's <laughs> like being on Twitter now. Yeah, it's a bad website. Yeah. We're also going to have to go back in and edit in the word X for all of this. It's like just like a, no. a bad overdub. <laughs> um, let, me, let me tell you what we're not going to do, and it's that. Yes, absolutely. I don't think anyone will ever call it that. And every time I'm on Twitter and I see like post instead of or, or you know yeah repost and a retweet or any all the things they change, every single time I think about how stupid it was if they built up like one of the most recognizable brands in the nation and then just <laughs> fucked it all over overnight. Like it's amazing. It's literally at this point, that's all you have is you yeah. have the brand. Yeah. Like 
you have the the thing that is synonymous with the thing. Right. It's all you have left, and you fucked it up. Yeah. I. Uh, it's, it's unbelievable. It'd be like if Kleenex changed their name and was like, just call us Tissues now. Or it would be like if Kleenex was like, call us X now. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's fair. A letter that that is, I would say, primarily identified with other brands. <laughs> yes, that is true as well. I, I'll admit that like, when I have uh, a, tw- a Twitter tab open uh, on my desk, not so much now that it's been so long, but like, Right after the change, I would often glance up at my bar and be like, "Oh crap, do I have porn open?" <laughs> like, and then nope, nope. It's just the. It's what it looks it's like. Just, just Twitter. It's what it yeah. looks like. But uh-huh. then you realize that it's actually just Twitter, which is even more embarrassing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Absolutely. You know what? I I like that Paul Aller comes on this show, and we start taking on the brands. <laughs> We get, we get another one of his classic patented Paul Aller rants. The bad <laughs> that what they are? from the comics, Paul Aller. <laughs> I describe myself to uh, a friend of mine today as as a um, a D list celebrity within the very niche world of comics. I feel like that's where I'm at. <laughs> uh, I remember uh, someone describing. Uh, I think it was me as. Uh, as a comics internet famous, which is sort of like being janitor <laughs> famous, but less prestigious. Right. right. And that's, Ooh, back when, yeah. that's back when I was somebody. <laughs> yeah. It's, so it's Paul, humbling I wanna, comics. Is... I want to talk to you about peer pressure. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like that. And, and I will go along with that. <laughs> good, good. Excellent. Is is yes and that's peer pressure, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Absolutely. That's, that's just a that's just a word that they'll charge you six hundred dollars. It's not, but I don't want to get I don't want to get into it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that means that it, when improvising, you have to do whatever I say. That's and. not what it means. <laughs> I have I have never done uh, any sort of improv class or or a sketch or anything, but I agree with Chris. <laughs> there you go. The the two people who have never done it yes. are, uh, are outvoting the person who has. Fair enough. Uh, so I, I it's democracy. Like, mm-hmm. Yes, which, uh, as you know, Matt, I don't believe in. <laughs> I believe in more of a yes and style. <laughs> what is using your podcast to direct someone to a crowdfunding campaign for a comic that you want to read? What is that but peer pressure? That's a fair point. Uh, it's it's a uh, service because because it's a very good comic and they would miss out on it otherwise. Think, think, of, it, think of it that way. It's a positive thing. Yes, it's a positive thing. Paul, we were talking about this earlier in the show because because uh, I part of my standard pre-show uh, rap for the increasingly small number of people who listen to this show but have never been on it, <laughs> right? Uh, is is that I say it's okay if you swear, but you don't need to feel peer pressured to swear if you don't want to. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
And that led us to talking about peer pressure and how we were very warned about peer pressure as children uh, mm-hmm. with regards to drugs. And yeah. for us, that I think for all three of us, that didn't really come up. No, not at all. Yeah. Um, and I mean, if anything, like it's, it's framed as being an inherently bad thing, but yeah, like what if you're, if you're smoking the doobie and your friends are like, you shouldn't do that. Should you be like, I'm not going to succumb to peer pressure guys. Nancy Reagan warned me about this. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) I would would say that the peer pressure is by and large a corrective force (laughs) in my experience. Yes. You usually get a lot more, hey, don't do that. <laughs> because that's, that's bad. true. I've definitely, like, again, to take it back to Twitter, said very stupid things on there that I've then had my, my DMs fill up with my friends being like, delete that. <laughs> and, you know, yeah, that's, that, that's peer pressure working for me. Yeah, that is, that's societal. That's societal right. peer pressure. Right. Uh, Matt. Can can you think of uh, anything, any examples of peer pressure from your life? Like something I was pressured to do that I then felt like I had to. Yes. Um, religion. I uh, I I've definitely decided to get baptized when I was a kid because I thought it would be acceptable socially. I think if uh, I would guess that being peer pressured into getting baptized specifically is very common among people our age from our part of the country. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I mean, what is, I mean, this isn't really peer pressure. This is like pressure from adults who have power over you. Every altar call is that. Right. Yeah. Uh, Paul, do you have any any vivid peer pressure memories? Hmm. No, not not really that I can think of. I, I check out the iconoclast over here. I think you have to have peers. Uh, wow! And I never I never really had like a, a crew to pressure me growing up. Oh, I thought you were just saying. I thought you were saying like nobody's on oh, my like, level. Like, like I have no peer. <laughs> no, I'm, no, no, oh, no. I'm definitely not saying that. Crowdfunding no, no. Uh, to give you an idea of my childhood, I tried multiple times to play D and D, but the D and D people that I knew uh, rejected me every time. So I was. Rejected by the D and D crowd. Yeah, yeah. Wait, did did they give you a a reason why? No, I think they just didn't care for me. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what? I could hear the trauma creeping in. <laughs> but I, I, Paul, what I'm saying is that's an assumption. Maybe you're right. Maybe those other people, those D and D players. They they played one session with you, and then they got together afterward, and they were like, "This guy's too good." I never played a session. Is is, is the problem with that plan? They never they even got tell. that far. They yeah. Oh yeah. They they, they, they can recognize the skills. Yeah. Yeah. They were like, "This guy is gonna yes and too hard." Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure uh, between it being that or it being the fact that I was. Uh, 
out of the closet at a school in rural Indiana in the mid nineties. Yeah, I'm so sure. I'm sure it's that they uh, they recognize the skills is the the more likely explanation. Hey, Paul, how yes. long have we been? <laughs> uh, over a decade. Yeah, we've known each other for a considerable amount of time. This yeah. is the first time I have heard that you are queer. What? Yeah, I somehow completely missed it. I mean, I uh, yeah, I I don't know. I I feel like I talk about it a fair amount. Uh, I created the first queer characters for Ninja Turtles and GI Joe, and I have a pride flag in my bios or in my usernames. But um, other than those subtle clues, I'm yeah. Sometimes not very perceptive. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's cool. No, I, I, I came out as by like yeah, like in literally like ninety five or ninety six when I was in high school. It was a long damn time ago. And it was it was it was rough. It was not easy going. Uh, and then I more recently just came out as non binary a couple years ago. Oh, that's fantastic! I hey, yeah. thank you for letting me know. No, no problem. No problem. I don't usually open conversations by being like, here, listen up, guys. <laughs> I just, I'm excited about people to hear this and realize how, like, when I find someone who wants to talk about G.I. Joe, how much that is the only thing I will talk about. That's the only thing you would talk about that, that makes sense, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because, boy, I yeah. feel like I'm that. just... They're gonna, they're gonna hear this and be like, "Does he know this person? Does Chris has Chris heard of Paul Heller?" <laughs> Getting the name of the comic I wrong. Mean... <laughs> I actually did not know that about uh, about uh, you creating the first queer character in Ninja Turtles. Uh, oh no! Actually, I take that back. I didn't. Um create her she was previously created it was, it was Lindsay baker but i i like um i made her establish her as queer in, in mute animals that's awesome Th- yeah, that thanks. feels like one of those comics where like and, was that did you have any like pushback on that i can't imagine you would at the, like in in a year no. that starts with a two no in fact I I like I kind of wanted to, and then when I started doing that book, uh, Bobby Kernow, the editor at the time, actually told me like we've been thinking about introducing uh, a queer character into the book. So if you wanted to do that in this mini, that would be a good place to do it. So yeah, I, I ran with that. I, I, so and I, I did create Sally Pride, who I guess is never, you know, just because the story ran, went pretty fast, never like actually said that she was queer in the story itself, but like her name is Sally Pride. So, um, oh. <laughs> yeah. I think even I would have gotten that one. And it's yeah, yeah. And there's a there's a a nice moment between her and Lindsay at the end that definitely is uh, intended as a as a romantic moment while she's wrapping up her bandages. Yeah, and then GI Joe. Um, yeah, on that one, it was something I brought to the table, but again, they were like totally fine with it. So yeah, yeah. And I mean, yeah, that's a, a small. Small minority of the GI Joe fans were not fine with it, <laughs> but um, <laughs> but most of them were amazing. And yeah, uh, IDW and Hasbro were were completely behind it. That's always something that like that I don't understand because there's like 
I, I mean, look, I don't understand it anyway for the obvious reason, but also it's like, like, buddy, it's G.I. Joe. There's like a hundred of them. If you don't like this yeah, one, that's exactly. fine. That, yeah. And the other thing is that a lot of people seem to think that it would be like a queer book. Or like the whole book would be around, about the fact that some of the characters are queer. Like, no, like that's, that's not. So I think even some of the people who are like objected to on those grounds when they run, they read it, they were like, Oh, okay. He just, he's just, you know, incidentally a queer member of this team. So that's, that's fine. If that's a problem for you, you're not good at subtext either. <laughs> right. We've, we've all seen Dr. Mindbender. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I, I was literally, that's what I was saying, is that I, I absolutely wrote Dr. Mindbender as being in love with Major Blood. Uh, and had the book continued, I was going to see if they would let me make that canonical. But yeah, that was, if you, if you, go, if you go back and read that, knowing that, like, every scene there together, like, yeah, this guy is majorly crushing on Major Blood. No pun intended. Since we're on the subject of comics, uh, and now that we're no longer speaking about peer pressure... Well, first, I do want to know: Did you have you gotten to play D anD D as an adult? No, I never have. And, and honestly, like, I feel like I, I've had some friends now. Like when I told them that, they've been like, "Yeah, let's, let's go play a game." And I'm like, "Nah, it's it's, it's 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 I'm past it." You know what I mean? You know that that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. It is. It is a. It is very funny to me. To remember. Like the perception that D and D had when I was uh, yes. a teenager, <laughs> when even I was too cool for it, and, and now in the year twenty twenty three, when it is like the most popular it has ever been, and also like overwhelmingly like queer and yeah. and uh, run, you know women are a huge, huge part of the D&D community, and non-binary people, and it's like, incredible. Because I, I love that, and in retrospect, that seems so inevitable, and was probably way more than I thought it was growing up in South Carolina, to begin with. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it's uh, I love D&D, is why I ask. Awesome. Paul, uh, Paul but, let, me, let me say, as someone who started playing D&D Relatively recently, yeah, in my mid to late thirties, it is never too late to start, and it is very fun. Uh, I recently, most recently, played in a D anD D group where I was the only cis person, yeah, in that whole group, and uh, it was an absolute blast. So. Well, maybe I should give it a try then, and, and not let the like you know the toxic bros from my high school keep me from doing something enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't, don't, don't don't let them have any control over you at all. Oh yeah, yeah. That's I mean, yeah. And, and I don't think of that as being the reason, but you know, maybe maybe there's some lingering thing. Well, I don't know. You know, I think our our, our our hour on the couch is about up. But um, yeah. It's also one of those things where it's like it, it is a hobby that takes a significant amount of mental and. Uh, physical space. Uh, <laughs> and if you don't develop that love for it, like if it, if it doesn't hook you, then it's very easy to not have room in your life for it, especially if you're doing things like uh, writing comics. Uh, right. Which, you know, b- 
both of us have lived that life, me and Matt, and it's 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 a lot. Uh, yeah. But Paul, I'm telling you, next time you come on the show, next time you come on the show, no no comics promotion. We're just going to roll you up a character. That's going to okay. be the entire interview segment of that show. Sounds good. Sounds good. You have been peer pressured. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so tell us about uh, about the the current campaign for Barbara Psychic. Yeah, uh, so it's the second issue of Pink Midnight Presents, which is a series of uh, black and white weird fiction uh, one-shot comics. So you can read, pick up any one of them, uh, being done by me, written by me, with art by Juan Romero, and edited by uh, Claire Napier. And uh, the first one, The Butterfly House, is like this kind of creepy, silent horror story, uh, which is also largely a, a metaphor for coming out as non-binary. Um, and Barbara Psychic is very different than that, which is, you know, the idea with these. Uh, it's a story about a barber who is psychic. Uh, when he cuts your hair, he can see, like, your entire future. Not just, like, glimpses, but, like, he literally will know everything you experience from that moment until the moment of your death. And what he does with this uh, information is nothing. Uh, he doesn't tell anyone. He doesn't try to change uh, things. He keeps it. Uh, bottled up and to himself and the comic uh, charts the course of 60 years in this guy's life from when he's like 15 to when he's 95 uh like it starts in 1981 and ends in 2061 um and just shows the the impact of of that 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 knowledge uh, has on him uh in his in his life and the the way he he copes with it mentally um, and the the price that he pays for it, where it's kind of like a very slow burn act of self-destruction in many ways. I, Paul, I've always been a, a big fan of horror anthology stuff, not just in comics, like the various EC comics anthologies, but also like the twilight zone, the outer limits and that kind of thing for pink midnight presents. Was there any particular, influence or inspiration for that for that like kind of anthology take because like I, th- I feel like people will read these and think oh this is like a twilight zone but is that what you're going for or did you have some other kind of influence to an extent like i expected the sort of twilight zone outer limits um um comparison and i do think it's it's valid not really uh inspired by any other anthologies but just by weird fiction in general like i think of this as more of a weird fiction anthology than a horror anthology but you know horror is easier to explain um um, but yeah like it's really influenced by you know um like stephen graham jones uh uh, kelly link um robert aikman who's a british writer from like the middle of the last century who i really absolutely adore um just the idea of of doing like butterfly house is definitely more influenced by all of that. Barbara psychic is a little more uh, straightforward. Then our, our next one is going to go back to being extremely weird again. Um, but yeah, just the idea of doing stories uh, like weird fiction where the, where things don't even actually make necessarily make sense from a story perspective, but it feels like they make sense from an emotional perspective like when you watch a a, a david lynch movie where you're like i can't tell you what happened but it feels like that was the right thing to happen that's like butterfly house those who have read it that's absolutely what i was going for is that you know i had i had someone um 
read it and they, they email me like, I just have one question. What the fuck did I just read? <laughs> and this was a person that was just like someone who backed the campaign that I, you know, wasn't familiar with. So I was like, awesome. <laughs> that, that's great. <laughs> that's, that's the correct. That, that, that's, and, and, and he liked it. You know, I mean, um, that, that was like said it with love. But I was like, that's, that's the reaction that we were going for. But hopefully, in addition to the what the fuck did I just read uh, um, reaction, you also are like, yeah, that, that made sense. That makes sense that that's how that story would, would go and how it would end. I feel like you're in very good company with that because that is literally exactly what happened the last time someone asked me to recommend my favorite Batman story and I told them to read Batman <laughs> R.I.P. with no context. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, ooh, I probably should have told you to read the 40 issues leading up to that. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, in this case, you don't have to read 40 issues leading up to it. You can just, uh, you can just dive right in. So... Not to ask, you know, the, the, the most fun question that writers ever sure. get asked, which is, where do you get your ideas? Uh, <laughs> which is always a delight to answer. Uh, but why a barber? Oh, yeah. Uh, I actually do have a very specific answer for this one. Um, uh, 12 years ago now, uh, I was at, at NYCC, and I was walking around Manhattan with my friend uh, Joey Groh, and we saw a sign in a window advertising two businesses within. And so the sign said Barber on top. And then second line said Psychic, but like in the same exact font and everything. So it looked like one phrase. And we both looked at each other like, yeah, there's, there's something there. Um, so it lived in my head as a title for like over a decade before I finally um, found, like, latched onto a story that I felt was worthy of that, of that wonderful title. Um, so yeah, that's, that's why Barbara Psychic. So you've just for 10 years been like kicking that around in the back of your head. Not like these con- itself. Not really constantly. Yeah, but no, yeah, I've had some ideas and, you know, I would revisit it every once in a while, but it didn't, you know, uh, the idea of doing like just a one shot called Barbara Psychic was like, how well would that work? Um, and obviously you know, I didn't think I could do it as a miniseries. I'd be really testing people's patience for that concept. So when I was doing Pink Midnight Presents, and I was thinking of like different issues I could do, I was like, oh, this this would be the perfect format for my my Barbara Psychic ideas. So, which is also why it doesn't really like fit with the rest of them as cleanly. But but like part of what we want to do with this is we want to tell weird stories, but we also want to just tell whatever stories we want to tell. You know what I mean? And like not 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 feel like oh it has to it has to be this kind of a thing it has to be um blah 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 so yeah that is a, i i love the idea of doing that and and having you know all like a place to flesh out all those you know half ideas that you have yeah. over the the years because uh, I, I will often fixate on what I think is a really good title uh, mm-hmm. and then never find the right story for it. Yeah. Yeah. On Twitter the other day, I went on a, on a thing about um, a comic about, about pizza bagels and like was tweeting some of the different lines of dialogue I could have in it. And just, you know, like a, the idea of this like wild, um, weird comic about the creation of the pizza bagel, like a fictionalized version of it. 
Um, so, you know, maybe if, if this thing keeps going you know, down the road, you'll see Miller presents pizza bagel. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Look, when, when pizza's on a bagel. Yeah. You can eat you pizza, can eat pizza anytime. anytime. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. <laughs> uh, did you ever read the, uh, there was a manga that came out about the creation of cup noodle? No, I didn't. It's incredible. Uh, because it wow. is the you know based on a true story creation of cup noodle, but one of the uh, scenes in that book is someone like a a salaryman in like a suit and with glasses saying the phrase like very intensely saying the phrase the cup contains time itself. And I'm like, yes, everything should have this level of intensity in its creation story. Absolutely, yes. Yes. The man who is passionate about his work. It's, it's, it's in all of us. We, all, we love to see it. We love to see right. someone confining the concept of time into cup noodle. Absolutely. Well, Paul, much like myself, I am sure that our listeners have a lot of questions for you. Sure. Uh and we'd like to give them the opportunity to ask those questions. So, Matt, if the listeners want to get in on these talks uh, that we have with people like Paul Aller here on the show, how exactly can they go about that? Well, Chris, we all know the old jingle. Questions in the morning, questions in the evening, questions at supper time. <laughs> is there any other piece of marketing that has used the word supper time? In the last 40 years, I contend only pizza bagels have done it. Probably anyway, a Bob Evans commercial here and there. Yeah, Jimmy Dean maybe. Yeah. Hey, don't go to Twitter. Don't go to Twitter if you want to ask a question. Don't do it. We don't take them there anymore. <laughs> go to Blue Sky. Go to warrocketajax.bsky.social on Blue Sky. That's our account there. Or... Ask us for an invitation to our Discord, uh, which is where we're taking all of our questions now on Blue Sky and Discord. That is where you can ask questions for our guest uh, at Thursday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time, which for some of you might be morning, for some of you might be evening, for some of you might be supper time. Uh, But whatever time of day it is for you, that is when we will put out the call for questions for our guests and uh, you can ask questions just like these for Paul Aller. Uh, Paul, our first question is going to come from Meriwether, the boss cat on our discord who says, I like to get just a little high before a haircut to make the experience more enjoyable. Peer pressure. Peer pressure. What is your haircut routine? Do you have good idle chit-chat? Do you use example pictures in your phone? And do you have a relationship with your hairstylist? I do, yes. Um, I do have a good relationship. He he read uh, Barbara Psychic uh, to let me know if if I'd gotten anything wrong from a technical perspective. 
a sensitivity reader for barbers. <laughs> yes, <Barbary>. absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, no, he's a uh, he's a good dude. I, I do show him pictures of like his old haircuts on my phone. I'm like, hey, remember this? Uh, let's do this again. So, and he also does a beard trim because I, despite having a beard for like eight years now, have never once uh, trimmed it myself because uh, I'm lazy and also scared of, of like taking off a huge strip and having to start all over. Um, so, so yeah, I just let it get kind of like, like gangly in between and, and then he, he chops it down, uh, to something more reasonable for me. Yeah. So I, I guess my, I don't have much of a routine. I just like usually think about what I want and like find an old picture and then head in and, uh, rock and roll. He's very good though. So I, I trust him a lot. I mean, that's, yeah, that's, yeah. that's what it all boils down to. And you enjoy talking to him. Because my ideal haircut experience is complete silence. <laughs> um, yes, I enjoy talking to him in case he listens to this. <laughs> uh, here's a question from Chris Kaiser on our Discord. Paul, do you have a favorite comics run that was hated by a vocal contingent of fans? Hmm. No, I don't think I'm a big enough comics fan <laughs> to like to know what's hated. <laughs> not not yeah. a big enough fan. But, like I, I mean, I I didn't read comics as a kid. I started reading them, you know, um, in my in my mid twenties, uh, and I don't really like pay that much attention to fandom. So yeah. I, I honestly I wouldn't know what 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 runs are hated. Yeah, I I uh, uh, GI Joe. G- your run on G.I. Joe? Yep. My run on G.I. Joe, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it was hated. No, I, it, wasn't. it wasn't. It wasn't. And favorite. Yeah. Thank I, you. I am in that group now, though. Like, I used to be really plugged into, like, what people thought about comics, and now yeah. I really don't care anymore. And yeah. it's freeing. I would, I would suggest anyone follow that path uh, i uh, would i would not i would say you should definitely care what two people have to say about your, your favorite comics so please continue listening to the show and maybe uh give them five dollars a month on patreon so that you can hear more of their thoughts yeah. on comics yeah listen to just us don't don't yeah. don't go see what they're saying on uh i don't even know where they review comics anymore yeah uh, for, just, for, for me, the two people are uh, editors and assistant editors. <laughs> I did. I did just get a, a a three out of ten review from my from my um, X Men annual that came out yesterday, which I think is is possibly the lowest review I've ever I've gotten, or at least in a long while. So that was uh, again, comics is very humbling. Uh, Franz Ferdinand two on Blue Sky, our buddy Ben wants to know what is the best fourth film in a horror franchise? Uh, it is Godzilla versus Mothra. Wow. Wow. Quickly, quickly bringing that out. Kudos. Mm-hmm. Almost as though I, I responded to the best fourth films meme on Twitter just the other day. So I already, already had, I'd pre-put some thought into this without meaning to. I see. I yeah. see. Matt, I'm very I curious just to know. I, I should just uh, let people think I was cool. I, I'm curious to know if you have an answer to this yeah. one, because I, I don't. Me? Yeah. 
Um, I, I know that I know that you're a fan of Bride of Chucky. Mm, that was good. Bride of Chucky is fun. I I will I will say that. Uh, honestly, like a lot of fourth movies are not good. Friday the Thirteenth, like across the board, is like the movies are pretty not great. <laughs> yes, but. The fourth Friday the 13th movie is Friday the 13th, the final chapter, which is the one that has Corey Feldman in it. And it's actually pretty not bad. In that franchise, that movie's pretty good. So maybe that one. I just Definitely. watched Friday the 13th movies for the first time a couple years ago, and I would, I would agree with that. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Here is one from our Discord. Uh... Patrick O.D., Boss Dog, from our Discord, wants to know, is there room in the G.I. Joe team for a psychic barber, and what would their code name be? Definitely. I mean, yeah, that'd be a, an incredibly valuable um, addition to the team because, you know, he would have two specialties. Um, yep. Yep. And that's always great. And, you know, you, you want to have a, have a barber around when you're on Deep Recon or, you know, uh, away from from civilization. Ah, um, I don't know. Snips? No, that's not good. Um, what's the the name of like the chemicals that they used to use? Whatever that is, that'd be his his code name. Barbicide. Barbicide. Yes, thank you. Yeah, Barbicide would be his code name. But the psi is spelled P S Y. Yeah, there you go. Barba PSY side. Yeah. There's that. There's Collabor- that collaboration, that folks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what were you saying, Chris? I said there's that Matt Wilson touch. <laughs> uh, Stone Cold HCC, an account that exists only to ask questions on War Rocket Ajax, wants to know <laughs> what do y'all think about horseplay? <laughs> Uh, I'm I'm a fan. Yeah, as long as it's consensual. Yes, because non-consensual horseplay is would be called bullying. True, I, that's true. There's definitely a difference between horseplay and roughhousing. That's true as well. I yeah. think I think horseplay is fine, but don't do it by the pool. <laughs> that's fair. Uh. Biscuit, the renegade dope dog, wants to know what's the My best movie. Biscuit? No, it's Brad, but he changed his name to Biscuit on the <laughs> on the Discord. What's the best movie about a barber, and is it better than the best movie about a psychic? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, maybe the man who wasn't there. That's the Cole only Brothers. one I. That's, that's the only a, one I can think of. Well, that's exactly so. So I'm, I'm glad it's a good movie. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know, this isn't isn't about a barber, but um, uh, Rushmore. Uh, his his father is a barber, and there's like a oh, that's right. A uh, big plot point about how he like lies about that to his you know the rich kids at his prep school. Um, there is, there is a prominent barber in Child's Play three, but he hmm. and that movie suck. <laughs> <laughs> And I mean, I know there are a million movies about psychics, but like my my brain is emptying out right now. 
the dead zone with Christopher oh, yeah, Walken. Dead zone. Yeah, yeah. I I think I think the Barbara movies probably edged them out because they're you know they're they're more special and rare. Yeah, and that's true. We, we need to treasure them. I feel like there are more TV shows about psychics than movies about psychics. That's true. A lot of TV shows about fake psychics. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, well, Paul, I think that will wrap us up awesome. uh, for listener questions. Uh, before we let you go, mm-hmm. please let all of our listeners know um, where they can back uh, Barber Psychic and get the Butterfly House. As well as uh, follow you and and follow your other work uh, on Zoop, um, like Zoop. You want to say the exact address, or we'll we'll put a link in the show notes. But okay, yeah, if people can head over to Zoop.gg and it is on the main page there, so so yeah. you can go back it there. Yeah, head over to Zoop, uh, and you can find me across the various uh, platforms. Uh, I'm on. Twitter, Blue Sky, and Threads, even though I hate it, um, as Paul Aller. And no, no, I'm on Threads as Paul.Aller, because I'm also that on Instagram, and it has to be the same. So I'm on Blue Sky and Twitter as Paul Aller, Threads, and Instagram as Paul.Aller. But really, just like if you type in Paul Aller, there's not a lot of us. There's like one other guy in North Carolina, but he's not very active on social media. All right, our guest has been Paul Aller. Someone that I know, I assure you. <laughs> Extremely well. I'm, I'm just having a week, everybody. Paul, thank I you understand. so much. It's always a, a pleasure and a joy to talk to you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks once again to Paul Aller for joining us on the show. Uh, definitely check out the crowdfunding campaign on Zoom and everything that dude writes. It's, it's all great. Agreed. Check out Paul's stuff. Yeah. Chris, we got to wrap up. Too much show. Too much show, Matt. And I'm so very tired. Yeah. Um, Same. I need to go sit under a waterfall. (laughs) Like a, like, like a samurai or, or guts. Guts did some waterfall sitting that I think was very good for him. Yes. I need to go do that. What is the modern, Minnesota equivalent of sitting under a waterfall like a samurai. I get. I mean, I guess it's purifying yourself in the waters of Lake Minnetonka. I think so. Yeah, I think so. I. I was gonna say, guts was very good at soothing himself, but that's not true. No, that is demonstrably so, false. But sitting under the waterfall, I think, did help him. So. You could you could do the equivalent of that, and that would help you out. Hey, you know, if you want to, will literally get themselves into a situation where the Skull King has to break the moon instead of going to therapy. It's true. It's true. If you want to email us a suggestion for what the equivalent of sitting under a waterfall would be, or an every story ever list, or if you want to sponsor the show, or if you want to get in touch with us for some other reason, you can email us at warrocketpodcast at gmail.com. You can also get in touch with us on Tumblr at warrocketpodcast.tumblr.com. We're on blue sky at warrocketajax.bsky.social. And the number one place to get in touch with us and chat with lots of other War Rocket Ajax fans is the War Rocket Ajax Discord. 
which you have to be invited to be a member of. But if you ask nicely on any of the places I just mentioned or on our Patreon, uh, we'll get you an invitation for the Discord, and, and you can join over there. Our website is WarRocketAjax.com. It is every episode of the show we've ever done. WarRocketWiki.com is the repository of all the information you could ever need about this show, War Rocket Ajax. It has tons of stuff about our lists and the show over there, so go check that out. If you want to find me and my stuff, all you have to do is go to mattdwilson.net to find links to my comics, my books, my other podcasts, and my social medias. Chris, where can people find you? Everybody can find me by going to the-isb.com. That is my website. It has links to all the things that I do. See you next week, everybody. I think next week we're going to do some jerkies. I, yeah, I think it's time. I think it's time to to really, really, really jerk it out. It's it's, it's time to jerk. Time to tune in, turn on, jerk off. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that, Matt. Uh, and listeners, I hope you are looking forward to it too. Uh, have a great week, everybody. And until next time, do not forget Black Lives Matter. Trans rights are human rights. As are abortion rights. Drag is not a crime. And cops? Well, we already said it in this episode. They're not your friends. But we love you. We love you. Yeah!